Amen. And amen. One more time, can you give it up for those that have sacrificed their all? Well, as Pastor Cody said, I just want to personally say again, welcome to all of our first-time guests. Uh, if it's, um, I, I, I just truly believe this. If it's a place where you've known Jesus for 30 years, or maybe it's a place where uh, you're still on a journey, you're in the right place. I just want to say that. You are in the right place, and God, we believe, has brought you here for a reason. And I'm so excited to share the Word of God with you uh, this morning. Um, I'm not the lead pastor. My name is Russ. I'm on the team here, and my primary role is to serve our students. Where are our students at? Are we a little excited, again, that school is out for summer? That does, okay, that, that did not sound too excited, but okay, we're a little, we're getting a little excited. Like Pastor Cody said, we, we have Summer Bash coming up Wednesday. We capped the uh, semester off this past Wednesday with a lead spotlight night. It was unbelievable, unreal in the house, and uh, just so, my heart is just still full from what we saw God do. Next week, if, if you're brand new, you need to bring somebody with you next week because next week we are uh, launching a series that we actually did last year. This is part two of anybody remember the Flannel Graph Heroes where we got to be the paparazzi in the lives of uh, the people in scripture and follow them around and see what God was doing in and through their lives. Last week we actually capped off what for me was the single, my single favorite series that God has given Pastor Allen since he's been at New Life Church and that is the dreamer series if God spoke to you through that series would you make some noise would you just say thank you God for the word that was spoken through that and and I just and maybe it's just on a personal level but I, I relate to that so much because I'm a dreamer by nature do I have any dreamers in the house I'm a dreamer by nature. Uh, some people, everybody has different fears. Some people, their worst fear is not having enough money. Some people, their worst fear is dying alone. And th- those are legitimate concerns. I don't know why, but from an early age, my worst fear has just always been living a normal life. I don't know why. There's probably psychologists that could analyze me and find out what's wrong with me. But that's always been my greatest fear. And whether you connect with that or not, can I just speak this over your life right off the bat? God has unlimited potential in what he wants to do in and through your life. Can I say this? You, you may have in your mind what the greatest tragedy would be. But let me just tell you what the greatest tragedy actually is. The greatest tragedy would be for you to go through life and for me to go through life and not live to see the mind-blowing things God wants to do in and through your life. I want to say that again. The greatest tragedy for you and for me is to go through life and not see the mind-blowing things God wants to do in and through your life. I, uh, I, 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 I thought about this in a very uh, crucial way, Dr. Thomason, about a month ago when I had a, what I, you might call it dramatic, but a brush with death. I, um, Clay, is Clay Samey in the house? No, backslidden. Um, uh, he is, I'm just kidding, we love Clay, he's probably at the beach center. So we, um, but I, about a month ago I was like, I need a brand new workout plan, and I don't know if Jacob Webb's in the house either. All the students are backslidden. It's okay. Uh, he, uh, but anyways, Jacob used to always give me a hard time. He's like, Rush, you skip leg day again? 
you skip leg day again? I was like, no, I didn't skip leg day again. All right, I don't have your calves. I'm sorry. Um, and, but, so about a month ago, I was like, Clay, send me a leg workout. So he sent me a leg workout, and I've done physical exercise throughout my life, right? I mean, I've done, uh, believe it or not, just, just different things, and I know what it's like to be sore. And if you work out really hard, you know what it's like to be sore the next day, right? But uh, for any of the athletes in the room, you know what it's like if you work out crazy hard, what uh, physicians call delayed onset soreness, where you're even more sore the day after. After that, well, something happened. I just heard, ooh, okay. Uh, well, something happened after Clay's workout that really concerned me. The soreness never went away. And I, no, it, like six or seven days later, it felt like it got into my bones. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. And, and, and I, I hadn't been getting proper rest. And so I started getting some kind of like flu like symptoms. And I was like, okay, what? What's going on here? I, I, I don't understand this. And so I got concerned, and, and, and I'm stubborn, like probably most of you in the house. I'm like, I'm not going to go to the doctor for this. I'll be fine, like, I'll, you know, whatever. But so finally Wednesday comes along, and I got some people nodding their heads that got on to me for not going to the doctor in time. So finally I, I went to urgent care, and I told them what happened, and they took all these tests. And then I just happened to mention the whole, I said, this may sound goofy too, but honestly, some of the, it seemed like I worked out too hard, and it turned into a sickness. So they got the test back, and the, the nurse came back in. She said, hey, or the doctor came back in. She said, uh, we're going to send you to Northside to do some blood work. I was like, is everything okay? She said, yeah, I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure. They said, you want to make sure what? She said, I want to make sure that you're not in, in kidney failure. This is the first my parents have heard of this. I didn't tell you, Mom. I need to freak out. Uh, so uh, my, my, my parents are here. Yeah, there's a reason I don't, I don't you know, say these. Okay, so, uh, so I was like, are you, are you kidding me? And she goes, no, I'm not kidding you. I said, Okay, you know, I'm, not, I'm no doctor, so I'm just curious what would happen if, let's just say, per se, I did have kidney failure. I mean, would I, you know, would I die? And she said, that's typically what happens. That's what she told me. She said, that's typically what happens. I said, okay, well, um, cool, I'm good. Well, I say, tell you what, what, what happens now? Do you guys need to take me? And I will want, I mean, I'm at, I'm at the hospital. I mean, do you need to take me? Or I'm at urgent care. You need to take me to the hospital. Like what? She said, just go up there, get, get blood work done. We'll see, see how this all turns out. I said, how long does that take to find out whether I'm living or dying? She's like, oh, about 30 minutes. She should be good. I said, okay. So just stay there at the, at the hospital. She's like, no, no, get your blood work. They'll call you in about 30 minutes. You'll find out. I said, okay, so I'm not even a country music fan. I literally, no joke, spent my day driving around Canton listening to Tim McGraw's Live Like You're Dying. I'm like, okay, what, what am I, okay, so I need to go, I need to go bungee, I need skydiving, need to ride a bull named Fu Manchu apparently, like I need to love a little deeper and, and, and help a little sweeter, whatever the words are. I don't know, I listened to it on repeat. I was like, I don't know. I called Cody, I said, somebody needs to preach tonight because, I mean, I'm, I'm going out, I'm going out strong, I'm going out, and, and they're going to write on my tombstone Clay's leg workout. That, that's how I went out. It wasn't. It, it wasn't martyrdom. It was Clay's leg workout killed me. That, that's how I went out. So, so I, I, I know anybody like me, you just realize life's short, right? And anybody like me want to make sure life counts before they lower you in the grave. You want to make sure that you didn't waste your life. You want to make sure that in the brief time you have on planet Earth, before they put your tombstone marker in, that you took all the potential. Because it's not just that you hear preachers say, well, there's unlimited potential in you. That's not exaggeration. If the DNA of Almighty God... If the seed of the creator of the stars is inside of you, it's not preacher talk to say that there is unlimited potential on the inside of you and on the inside of me. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor entered into the mind of man what God has prepared for those who love him. There is no limit. 
to what God can do in and through your life. Anybody like me, you want to be the best uh, man of God you can be. You want to be the best woman of God you can be. You want to be, be the best leader you can be. You want to be the best Christian you can be. You want to be the best coach you can be, the best student you can be. But anybody else like me as well, you come up against the reality that you get inspired in moments like this, but then you buck up against the reality of life and you say, but I don't know that I have what it takes. I, I, I don't have the resources of so-and-so. I, I don't have the money of so-and-so. I don't have the connections. I, anybody like me, just to be honest, insecurity and feelings of, well, we got everybody that thinks they're perfect. I need to preach this to another group of people. Anybody like me, honestly, you have moments where you feel insecure and inadequate and insufficient. Well, Jesus has a word for us this morning. And if it's okay, we're going to do something a little bit different since it's uh, Memorial Day weekend. We, hey, we got one shot today. So how about we lean in? I need a responsive, sassy crowd. Are you up for that? Okay, so we're going to do a leadership teaching. This is honestly a teaching that we did uh, with, our, with our lead students, and we're going to kind of adapt it for this morning. So I want to encourage you. Be no, I'm so proud of these students, uh, Austin and Shane. Man, we'll, we'll be doing leadership moments or Wednesdays, and they'll just be furiously taking notes. We tell them all the time, note takers are history makers. How many knows you're not blessed by the word of God that you hear, but by the word of God that you do? And so there's something powerful about putting pen to paper of what God's speaking and seeing how am I going to apply that. And so, if you got your Bibles, Matthew 25, verse 14. And since you're the only crowd, you might be here for a few hours. We'll just see how it goes. Anybody ready? Tell your neighbor, say, I'm ready. Turn to your neighbor real quick. Give them two compliments about what they're wearing. Turn to your other neighbor. Give them three. Everybody looks so much better now. You look, you're in a better mood. All right, Matthew 25, verse 14. If you're new to church, Jesus tends to teach in what's called parables. He knows that the human heart connects to story. So he tends to tell stories to illustrate kingdom of God principles, and that's what he's doing here in Matthew 25, verse 14. It says this, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. When we were teaching this with the students, uh, Shane, uh, one of our students that works at Subway, I told him, I said, Shane, this is like the owner of Subway is coming to you saying, I'm going to be gone for six months, but I'm entrusting the business. I'm entrusting some of the decisions. I'm entrusting some of the resources to you, and we'll see when I get back in six months what you've done with it. So however that hits you and lands with you in your place in life, this person is entrusting something to his employees. He's entrusting something to his students. He's entrusting something to those under his care. And it says this, to one, so, so this is the owner. He's entrusting resources. It says, to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags of gold, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. He was a go-getter. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. 
You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Can I press pause just long enough to say how incredible a thought that is? Because, again, this represents the kingdom. This represents God Almighty. Jesus went away, right? He ascended, and he's coming back again. And while he went away, and until we take our last breath, he's entrusted things to me and you. He's entrusted relationships, resources, time, opportunities. And he says, there will come a day when you will say, here's what I've done with what you've given. And to some people, he will say, come and share in the master's happiness. Come share in the joy of God Almighty. Can you imagine that moment? Can you imagine that moment? Come and share in the master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrust me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. Harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seeds. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And, and some of us that would play it safe would think right now Jesus is about to say, well, good job. Hey, you, you didn't take too many risks. You didn't lose what I gave you. You, you still got it. You, you, you were faithful. You were consistent. You were steady. Way to go. But Jesus replied, was you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that a harvest where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would receive it back with interest. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that, Lord, you have, thank you for everything you've entrusted to us. And now I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, energize us to be faithful with it motivate us to be faithful with it. Lord, you have more planned for us than we've ever dreamed possible. To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything we could ever ask, think, or imagine, would you speak and breathe and motivate us today to make our lives count for the glory and the cause of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So let's review. Master goes away. He entrusts some of his wealth. To one person, he gave five bags of gold. That person doubled it, right? That's ten. We, right? Five, ten. All right. All right. To another person, he gave two bags. They doubled it as well. That's how much? There we go. I was waiting for the wrong answer. And then to another person, he gave one, and that person stayed the same. He rewarded those that doubled it. He rebuked those that stayed the same. It, the, the message is, is actually insultingly simple today, and it's this. Everything that God has for you, every key for you maximizing this life for his glory and your good, and there being purpose beating in your heart for the time you're on planet Earth, is already in your hands. And I want you to notice something. God didn't rebuke the person that only had two bags of gold and say, well, you only had two bags of gold. Because, see, that's what we do. We say, well, God, I would do more for you, but look, I don't have the resources that person has. I would be a better person, I would be a better Christ follower, I would be a better leader, but, but I don't have their connections. I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and I don't have that kind of money, and I'm not as gifted as him, and I don't look as good as her. And Jesus says, look, I'm not going to reward or rebuke you based off what's in your hand. I'm going to reward or rebuke you based off what you do with what's in your hand. I'm not going to judge you based off what you have. I'm going to judge you based off what you do with what you have. Turn to your neighbor and say, work what you got. 
Turn to him and with a little bit more sass, say, work what you got. This is what happened with Moses, right? Hey, everybody remember the story of Moses? This unlikely hero, the children of Israel are in captivity and slavery. Moses is sent down the, the river in a reed basket so that he's not killed, raised in the Egyptian palace, loses his temper one day, kills an Egyptian, flees to the desert, spends 40 years on the backside of a desert. You know that Moses was thinking, my best days are behind me. My life's gone to ruins. I got nothing to show for me. I don't have any more money. My best years are gone. My youth is gone. Everything's gone. And then God encounters him at a burning bush, and he has a moment with the presence of the Lord. And the Lord says the same thing to Moses that he says to you. I've got more planned for you than you ever thought possible. I've got more purpose written over the pages of your life than you ever dreamed. And Moses does what you and I do. He starts making excuses. But God, you got the wrong guy. Anybody ever felt like that? I mean, you hear somebody like me get off fire, and you're like, yeah, but you don't know me. Right? I mean, sometimes it's easier for me to believe for God to raise the dead than to look in the mirror and know me and say, God, you still love me. You still want to use me. You want to still do something with somebody like me? And Moses says, look, Lord, I don't have anything. I'm a has-been. I'm washed up. I've made mistakes. I'm a murderer. I've killed somebody. And speaking of gifts, let's talk about gifts. God, remember this? Moses said, Lord, I'm a stutterer. I can't speak well. I'm not gifted. I can't preach like that person. I can't speak like that person. And God does the same thing to Moses that he does to me and you. He bypasses his doubts, and he goes past his insecurities. And he said, Moses, who made your mouth? I know exactly your limitations. I formed you. I know your imperfections. I fashioned you. I know your weaknesses. I created you. And Moses, I only have one question for you today. What's in your hand? And if you remember the story, he has a staff, and it's the staff that God would use to turn into a snake and display the power of God when he went back to Pharaoh. And God's asking Moses, and he's asking you today, what's in your, can we just all do this real quick? Can can you just stretch out your hands? Okay, even the stubborn ones, God will not punish you for participation in church. I promise you, he won't. Can we stretch out our hands? And can you just turn to the person beside you and say, what's in your hand? Seriously, keep your hands out. Say, what's in your hand? Here's the deal. Hands still stretched out. God, what's right here? You got to hear this. If anything sinks in today, everything you need to fulfill the purpose of God in your life is right here. Everything. I heard Stephen Furtick say recently, he said, some of us are stuck not because we don't have what we need, but because we're not using what we already have. Everything you need is right here, right here. Now I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? What's in your hand? And let me tell you, this stuff excites me. I heard... um, I told the students, they love this quote, so I'll just give it to you. Maybe it'll do something for you, maybe not. But Dave Ramsey, I I saw a a post by him. He said, it is worth the trouble to become who God has created you to become. It is worth the trouble to become who God has created you. So here's what we did. We're gonna ha- anybody ready to have a little fun? We'll, we'll just write some stuff down, stay here another hour and a half, and, and, and we'll go through some uh, talents. So let's do this. Well, what are some talents? What's in your hand? What, what, what could some of that represent? I, I know this may sound crazy, but somebody shout it out. What, what, what's the talent? What's, what's something God's put in our hands? Life. Hey, life, I love what John Maxwell said. He said, your life is a gift from God. What you do with it is your gift back to God. An, an old timer once said, God's dealt the cards, but we get to play them. Now, there's more sovereignty and mystery in it, but you get the point. How about this? How about money? You guys are acting holy and quiet, but, you know, um, we te- I, I teach the Growth Track 301 class, for the, and uh, we, we get to the yellow personality types. And you know one of the strengths for the, or one of the personality types for the yellow is that money makes them happier? Can I just tell you, I think that's, that's true across the board for human beings. Um, 
y'all are acting holy. Okay, anybody would be happier if I gave you $10,000 today sitting there. Yeah, oh, y'all look, oh, I need Jesus. Okay, well, I get that money can't fulfill you, but I won't complain if somebody drops in that. I mean, anybody? Okay, so money, and just so you know, some, some people are like, well, you preachers talk about money. Do you know Jesus talked about money more than any other topic in the New Testament? Because he knew it was a kingdom principle. Money. I've met people that say, well, Lord, because here's the deal. Here's it. You, Luke 16, 11 says this, whoever can be trusted with little can be trusted with much, but whoever is dishonest with little will be dishonest with very much. I've heard people say, well, if I just had more money, I'd tithe. No, you wouldn't. Jesus said you wouldn't. If you'd rob God with 10000 you wouldn't be trusted with 100000 Why would we complain about, God, I want more, when we can't be trusted with the little bit he gives us? John D. Rockefeller, the millionaire, said, I'm absolutely convinced that if I had not been faithful to tithe with the first dollar and 50 cents I had a week, I would have never been able to tithe the first million dollars. Who with me says, I look forward to tithing the first million dollars in my life? All right. We're getting borderline prosperity. But I'm just saying, God, if he, if he can trust you with a little, he can trust you with much. God, I want to make more money. Do you have a budget? God, I want to make more. Well, everything I have, I consume on me, and I'm not concerned about kingdom principles and kingdom priorities and generosity. But give me more money. What, what about that? What about, uh, what about time? I mean, we know this. Life's precious, right? And life is made of what? Time. The most precious commodity known to man that will never get back. Will never get it. And, and look, this is a dagger in my heart. I get this. I am a single, young, restless young man. I am. I'm, I'm that person that, that I, I'm always praying that prayer. God, give me a heart of wisdom to number my days aright, for the days are evil and the time is short. God, I, heard a, I heard leadership guru Bill Heibel say this one time. He said, you know, some, somebody in his early years of leadership sat across the table and said, Bill, Bill, you know, your life belongs to God, right? And he said, yeah. He said, which means your calendar belongs to God. He said, Bill, have you ever sat down with your calendar and your planner before the Lord and said, Lord, if this is your time, how would you have me to craft it? And he made this statement. I've never forgot. He said, the careful, prayerful organizing of your calendar is one of the most holy endeavors you can ever participate in. The careful, prayerful organizing of your calendar is one of the most holy endeavors that you can ever participate in. How are you stewarding your time? Are you living reactively or proactively? Are you responding to the urgent or are you living with intentionality for the important? Are, are, are you letting life happen to you or are you happening to life? Do you have a personal growth plan? Do you have a devotional plan? Um, are, are, you invest, are you wasting time just living for yourself? Are you investing in the kingdom and investing in eternity? Uh, uh, John Piper said this. I thought this was crazy convicting. Because I don't know about you. So I, I've gotten into a place recently where a few, I'm just, I'm just talking. Is that okay? Um, I, I've gotten into a pra- place recently where I've just noticed how the little things cumulatively will fritter away time. I read a proverb one time that, that's, that's so convicted me. I think it's Proverbs 7, but it says, A life frittered away disgusts God. Isn't that crazy? So a few times a week, I'm just like, okay, I've been scrolling Facebook for 20 minutes. Delete the app. And then, and then I'll return to it about five days later. I'm like, okay, I'm doing it again. Delete Instagram. Okay, I'm doing it. Uh, John Piper said this. He said, you know, the, on the great last day of judgment, the one great tool of Facebook and Instagram will show that our lack of prayer was not for lack of time. How are we stewarding our time? What else? Somebody shout it out to me. Tell your neighbor. Say, work what you got. Work what you got. This helping anybody? 
let me just tell you again, just as a personal note, in case you don't know, we have moved the Sahara Desert to the stage geographically. It is really hot, but it's okay. It is okay. <laughs> We're good. Good. All right. Uh, what else we got? All right. So, <laughs> all right. So, what else we got? Opportunities. Opportunities. How many knows? See, here's Pastor Alman. He preached the Dreamer series. He extracted the life of Joseph. Do you realize, and I love how he mentioned the small things, like, like when, when he was in certain places, he would take time to, to talk to the person that nobody else would talk to. And he could be trusted with vision and trusted with dreams and trusted with this influence. See, Joseph, no matter where he went or what position he was placed in or how tough life was, think about it. He had a dream just like you and I have dreams. But all those years, what did he do? No matter what place in life he was, he just stewarded well every opportunity. He stewarded well every relationship, every moment. He stewarded well his attitude. He stewarded well his mindset. He stewarded well his tongue. And God just kept promoting and kept promoting and kept promoting. What are the opportunities that God has? I just want you to think about it for a moment. What are the opportunities? I heard uh, the pastor of Elevation one time. He said, you know, he was talking to a group of small group leaders, and, and I'm so excited. Pastor Cody's launching uh, this fall. We got small groups coming to New Life, and it's going to be amazing. Uh, but I, but I, I heard the pastor of Elevation. He was talking to a group of small group leaders, and he said, you know, my claim to fame is I was the first small group leader at Elevation. He said, I had 12 families. And he said, and you can ask them, I preach with the same intensity, those 12, that I do now to 30,000. It says in Zechariah, do not despise the day of small beginnings. He said, I wonder if I had despised the day of small beginnings, would it ever have grown? If I had not been faithful with little. I wonder what in your life God is waiting to grow when you will stop despising the day of small beginnings. It's just this. I just have this. I just have them around. I'm just here. What is God? Because every, we, we tend to read through scripture and read through history, and we read these great feats and think, well, God, they were just so lucky and they were just so crazy talented no they were just more faithful with what they had and they maximized it man I hope some of you where about any parking team in here I love our connect team anybody thankful for, for our greeters and those that park every week let me tell you something let me speak into your life I hope you realize the significance every volunteer in this room I hope you realize the significance of what you do some people just think, oh, well, I, let, me tell you, let me tell you my pet peeve. I, I'm, I'm picky on language. I, I had a student, and I knew what he meant. I had a student text me and say, do I have to serve this week? I said, boy, you get to serve this week. Have to serve. I said, we get to be children of God. We get to not go to hell, but go to heaven forever. I said, we get to be part of what every parking team, you have the honor. Jesus says, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you do it as unto me. There are people out there, some of you, that you parked people in the name of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. There are some of you that greeted and shook hands in the name of the Holy One of Israel this morning. There are some of you that got to play drums for God Almighty. There are some of you that got to play the guitar. And every once in a while at church you'll hear, do I have to? Do I have to get there that early? Do I have to? I pray God crucifies have-to mindset and language from our mouths and our hearts and we stand in holy wonder and say, why would God allow me to be part of what he's doing? As David said, who am I that you'd be mindful of me? Who am I that you would allow me to be used for your glory? What are the opportunities? What is it? What are the small things? Martin Luther King Jr. said, if a man is a street sweeper, he should be the best sweeper of streets heaven has ever seen. Colossians says it this way. Paul said, whatever you do, whether eating or drinking, do it all as unto the glory of God. Whatever small thing is in your hands, when we're faithful with it, God has a way of blowing your mind to what he can do in and through your life. Opportunities. What else we got?
We got time, opportunities, influence. If we had time here, we talk. We, yeah, this is a leadership teaching. Just in case you didn't know, everyone in this room is a leader. If you're a parent, you're a leader. If you're a coach, you're a leader. If you go to school and just one person looks up to you, you're a leader. See, leadership's not position. Leadership is action. Leadership is influence. And all of us have more people watching us than we'll ever know. It's influence. If I had time, I'd get on the soapbox of social media. What are you doing with that influence? How are you stewarding that? I, I get on to the students. Uh, and see, the, here's the beauty. See, they can't fire me, Pastor Allen. See, I can get up here and say, so, what, are you using social media to, to, to slander politicians or to glorify God? Are you stewarding the platform of social media? And I'm not talking about being hyper-spiritual. Can I just tell you, uh, um, I actually hate hyper-spiritual pages. I hate, anybody like me just hate memes. Sorry, I know I'm going to offend some of you because some of you love memes. I see it. You post memes. I hate cheesy Christian memes. I just, sorry, maybe a pastor shouldn't. Y'all are being really quiet, so I've offended 90% of you. That's cool. I'm okay. But I hate, I'm not talking, I mean, I tell the students, be normal. To celebrate life, put pictures of your family, but, and, and, but season it with grace, Paul says, so that when you brag on Jesus, you can be a window into what God's doing, and people will taste and see and say, I want what he's got, I want what she's got, and then you get to brag on what Jesus is doing in this house and invite people. Do, do, do you leverage the influence in you? Because when you do that, God gives you more. Remember, he who is faithful with little will be given more. I, I, I told the lead team, I, Caleb, I love Caleb. Everybody give it up for Caleb. This man of God is awesome. So, so, so God looks at Caleb and says, wait, so I've given you some friends, but you don't use your personality to self-validate yourself. You don't use that to, to, to affirm your own ego. You don't use that so that you can abuse others, but you use that to serve others. I think I'll trust you with more. Wait, you, with a little bit of money you have, you, I think I'll trust you with more. With a little bit of platform you have, you, you use to bring glory to God instead of yourself, I think I'll trust you with more. That's how the kingdom works. That's how the kingdom works. And so God looks at somebody like Caleb, and he says, I like his spirit. And I like what he's doing for me. And, and I like his heart, and I like his motive. I can trust him with more. I see a little shepherd boy out there, and everybody thinks that all these other people should be picked, but I just see his work ethic, and I see his humility. I think I'll trust him with more. Wait, he doesn't run from the battle. He runs to the battle. I think I'll trust him with more. Wait, this guy takes up the armor of God and doesn't do it for, my, for his own glory, but says in the name of the Lord that you defy his armies, I'm going to come against you in the name. I think I'll trust him with more. I think I can trust him. He honors leadership even when leadership he disagrees with. I think I'll trust him with more. What are you doing with the influence God has entrusted? We're running out of time, so I'll just, okay, it, it, just write this down for you to think about later because we've got to hurry. What about, what about your health, your body? God wants to do crazy things through your life, and guess what? You've got a vehicle ca- called your body, and you only get one. By the kind of food you put into it, the kind of rest you get, the kind of exercise you do, are you saying to the Lord, I'm thankful this is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and I want to steward it for the long haul for your glory and my good? What are you doing with what's in your hand? Oh, I'm just like you. There's things I would change about myself. Okay, all right, supermodels. Not not me, okay. But what are you doing to steward your health? What are you doing to steward your health? If we had time, we'd talk about relationships. How are you stewarding? I mean, if, if I, I don't have a place to speak into marriage, but I know this. The grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is green where you water it. And how are you stewarding the people that God has put in your life? I've heard, I've heard uh, unmarried young men say this. And say they, they were praying for a wife, and God said, what about the two women already in your life, your mom and your sister? How are you stewarding those relationships? Why would I trust you? How are you stewarding 
the relationships. God is in your life. I want to be a leader one day. I just want to be on top. Well, are you a good follower? Are you honoring the, the authority above you? Is this too challenging? I hope this, I hope this, this for me, see this, this is, this is what grows me. I, if nothing else, I need this. This, I, I need to be fired up. I need iron put in my backbone. I need, I need strength in my soul. I need to be energized. I don't want to coast through life. This is Memorial Day weekend, but let's get fire on the inside of us. How are we stewarding our, our, our giftings, our, our relationships? Hey, here's one that rocked my world. I wish, I, I wish I had time to go into this. How are you stewarding the words that God gives you? God, this was a revelation that changed my life last year, Dr. Thompson. I've spent my whole year, I know how to read the word. I know how to hear from God. I've heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. But I've spent most of my Christian life wondering why. I've just wanted to hear God more. And then I heard a series early spring last year by, by Robert Morris. And he talked about, he said, some people want God to speak to them, but haven't stewarded the last three or four things God told them to do. And then he said this. He said, some people don't, don't dig in to get small words from God daily, but when crunch time comes, they want a big word from God. He said, but if you would get in your word daily, if you'd get in scripture daily and learn to have small words from God, then it's not going to be a stretch when crunch time comes and you need a big word from God. And let me tell you something. That changed my life. I started journaling consistently for the first time in my life, and I'm telling you, I know there's seasons where there's a rain of words more than other seasons, and I think that was part of it. But God began to do something deep on the inside of me. See, I want to tell you something. God wants to multiply what's in your hands. See, here's the If I had time, we'd talk about what faithfulness is. We, we, we went around to the least students and we said, what is faithfulness? And some people say, well, faithfulness is loyalty. It's, it's sticking to it. And that's true. How many knows we could use more people that have a stick-to-it attitude, that don't jump from church to church and relationship to relationship and thing to thing, but get planted and stay and grow. God could do some more of that in your life and my life. But the interesting thing, the fascinating thing, when you look at this passage, in this passage, that's not how God defines faithfulness. In this passage, God defines faithfulness as multiplication. The two that multiplied it, God said, you're faithful. The one that maintained the status quo, he said, you're lazy, you're wicked. God, God is, some people say God doesn't care. God does care about numbers. Did you know that? One of the first commands in Scripture, and all the young married couples said amen. He said, be fruitful and multiply. The fourth book of the Bible is called Numbers. Did you know that? Did you know any of our ushers back there, God was the first anointed usher. Did you know that? In the book of Acts, he cared about numbers. He recorded. He said there was 120 in the upper room, and then 3,000 got added to the church in that day, and then 5,000, and then under persecution they spread and they God cares about multiplication. Jesus taught a couple times and he was concerned because everybody was hungry and didn't have any place to go and he told his disciples, he said, feed them. He said, we don't have anything and Jesus said, What's in your hand? And they said, we don't have much. We just have something discarded. We have the remains of our broken lives. We have what's, what's broken, what's small, what's insignificant. But when we place what seems small and insignificant and forgotten and discarded in the hands of the master, he has a way of breaking it, blessing it, multiplying it, and feeding thousands through our lives. What's in your hand today? He won't hold you responsible for what you have, but what are you going to do with what you have? I, I, I told them, I, uh, I was a waiter. Um, I, I was in full-time ministry, but I waited tables. For, anybody waited tables here before? Okay. All right, bear with me. I forgot how to cut lemons. This was my favorite side job. So, 
what, yeah, I forgot completely. So what, here's what we would do is we would cut in the morning, and then we would have these little slices. And this is an enormous lemon. I get that. We would cut these slices. It's okay. I don't have time to really cut them properly, so don't judge. All right, this is an enormous lemon. So this person's getting lemonade just without the sugar, so it's okay, though. But but when I was preparing this for the leases, I felt like the Lord, honestly, and I don't say that lightly, I felt like the Lord gave me this illustration. If you can see it. See, what happens is God hands out the lemons of our life. And I want to tell you this. I said this at the beginning, but I want to say it a different way. Can you put that, that verse on the screen? Andrew, I think it's by Steve Maraboli. It says, cemeteries are full of unfulfilled dreams. Countless echoes of could have and should have. Countless books unwritten, countless songs unsung. I want to live my life in such a way that when my body is laid to rest, it will be a well-needed rest from a life well-lived, a song well-sung, a book well-written, opportunities well-explored, and a love well-expressed. See, here's a tragedy in life. It's not the money. It's not the fame. It's not the popularity. It's not the looks. It's not the talent. The, the tragedy in life is to die with all the lemons, with all the juice still inside. A tragedy in life would be to die with the juice still inside. Potential untapped. Gifts. One of my New Year's resolutions this year, I love to write. I've not written much. I said, Lord, I want to end this year and having left everything out on the field. Anything. I don't want one talent hidden in the earth. But see, here's what we do. We, we, we compare ourselves. I don't have as much as that lemon. I'm not as good looking as that lemon. I'm not as gifted as that lemon. I, and, and Paul says you're unwise. You compare yourselves by yourselves, and it's unwise. But God wants this from your life, nothing more, nothing less, for you to take all that he's put inside and squeeze every last drop on the field for his glory and your good. That's what God wants for you and for me. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? And can you just extend your hands in the presence of the Lord?